Blog Talk Radio. Hospital discharges increased from 
11,928 in 2000 to 19,568 in 2009 in children. Are GMOs the cause? What are the long-term effects of GMOs? One of the largest studies to date conducted by researchers from the University Hospital's Case Medical Center, Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, has found a dramatic increase in inflammatory bowel conditions in children in the U.S. in the last decade, likely due to eating GMOs. While the incidence of IBD has caused many hospitalizations, the reason behind the disease are unclear except for one culprit, the consumption of genetically modified ingredients. This mostly from school lunches, eating processed GMO foods at home and at restaurants. There has been a 65% increase in IBD hospital discharges from 2000 to 2009. The number increased from 11,928 discharges in 2000 to over 19,000 in 2009. IBD refers to the inflammatory condition associated with the irritation of the colon and small intestines. As you may recall, Danish farmers noticed the same problems in their pigs who were fed GMO feed. They were affected so badly that their guts were bleeding in many cases, and they also suffered increased fertility Issues. Many pig piglets were even born deformed. In research conducted in Italy, mice mostly fed Monsanto's BT corn showed a wide variety of immune responses. Their elevated IgE and IgG, and I don't, which I don't really know what they are, I don't, and uh, LG antibodies, for example, are usually associated with allergies and infections. The mice had an increase in cytokines, which are associated with allergic and inflammatory responses. The specific cytokines, interleukins, that were elevated are also higher in humans who suffer from a wide range of disorders, from arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, to MS and cancer. The inflammation affecting the bowels has been found not only in animals, but in humans. IBD can include Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. These two types of IBD were looked at within the UH study, and the authors found a 59% increase, 59 increase in CD discharges and a 71% increase in UC discharges. Looking at, we just talked about that. Looking at 11 million hospitalization records of patients 20 years old and younger using a federal children's patient database, they identified more than 61,000 pediatric discharges with IBD diagnosis. Boy, that's really scary. That's uh, terrible. The, according to the study principal investigator, Children's Hospital, this, in, uh, this increasing trend has pres was present in each age category across all geographic regions, North, East, Midwest, South, and West. Yeah, I did. Yeah. The reason for a large increase in hospitalization of children with IBDS is not clear. Uh, in June 25, 2013, uh, Dr. Safara said, studies find dramatic increase in hospitalization of U.S. children with inflammatory bowel disease. However, there have been multiple previous studies pointing to the culprit. Harvard researchers have said the genes of genetically modified foods are split with E. coli bacteria, 
BT toxin and other gene promoters that leaves the bacterium's residue in your gut that causes IBD and IBS, Crohn's disease, and UC. The statistical increase in digestive diseases and colorectal cancer can be directly traced to the creation of genetically modified foods and the addition of dangerous additive chemicals in packaged foods. We also found an increase in IBD-related complications and coexisting conditions, which suggest an increase in the severity of this disease has contributed to a greater need for hospitalization. However, we'll need to perform more research to determine whether patients were admitted to the hospital due to IBD or for an unrelated medical condition. Also, while we're seeing more kids being discharged with IBD, we cannot with certainty say that the incidence and prevalence of IBD has increased in the U.S. The nationwide issue has become a larger problem in the last 10 years, and there's mounting evidence that all these bowel conditions are caused by GMOs. And why wouldn't they be? BT toxins used in GMO actually blow up insect guts. Why wouldn't they do damage to ours? Remember when Monsanto and the Environmental Protection Agency swore up and down it was only insects that would be hurt by GMO BT toxins? They claimed this altered bacteria would be completely destroyed in the human digestive system and would not have any impact on all of us trusting corn-eating consumers. What a laugh. Medical doctors at Sherbrooke University Hospital in Quebec found GMO BT toxins in the blood of pregnant women and their unborn babies, as well as non-pregnant women. This goes on, so it's quite a long article. Yeah, so let's face it, like GM, it keeps going, Leo, it's a long, it's a long article. Yeah, well, that's, you know, we get the picture. They've lied to us, manipulated us, even though insects have been blown up and pigs are infertile and, well, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, right. Scary. Yeah. Bill Gates just invested $500 million into this company. Into Monsanto? Yep. Missing BP oil files. Well, that fits right up his uh, alley because sure. uh, he's been brought up as a eugenicist. Yeah. What do you expect? That's, That's right. Fine for him. He probably doesn't need any corn. Yeah. Well, good had somebody grow it for him. Missing BP oil files. Scientists find giant 1,235-square-mile bathtub ring on Gulf Ocean floor. Mm-hmm. This is by Aaron Brockovich. Actually, let's see. Um, for years, BP and tax federal agencies have uh, claimed that much of the oil spilled in the Gulf simply disappeared. Well, researchers have now discovered a shocking 1,235-square-mile bathtub ring on the Gulf's deep ocean floor. This discovery is a damned, damning indictment of how poorly BP and the federal government cleaned up the oil. In fact, just last week, BP senior vice president Jeff Morrell um, argued that the Gulf of Mexico was inherently res- inherent resilience, has inherent resilience when it comes to oil spills, and the environmentalists are overreacting about the impact. Daniel Roosevelt says, no business which depends for existence on paying less than minimum wage 
goods, workers has no right to continue in the country. Has no living wage. There's a living wage, yeah, to the workers. There's no right to continue in this country. Well, that would be all the businesses that are in the country right about now being gone. that's it. Now, there's one more that I want to read tonight on on health here, and we'll go to something else. But I'd like to, uh, seven reasons to never drink soda pop again. Yeah. So you know soda is bad, but just how bad is it for you? These reasons might have consumers of soda quitting their unhealthy habit immediately. Yes, it causes tooth decay. That's a given. The acids and sugars in soda soften your enamel and assure that you've got a lot of visits to the dentist in your future to fill the resulting cavity. And while sugar-free drinks aren't quite as bad, they're still acidic, so they're not good for your dental health either. Number two, it accelerates aging. Phosphates and phosphoric acid are added to sodas to increase their shelf life, but they can hasten the onset of aging diseases like hardening of the arteries. They may also cause the formation of painful kidney stones. Women who drink large amounts of soda have shown loss of bone density, which can cause fractures later in life, osteoporosis. Whether it's the soda or the fact that too many women, even girls, substitute soda for milk and that soda drinkers eat worse diets in general is unclear. Sugary drinks can cause an increase in blood sugar, blood pressure, which can lead to heart disease and strokes. The drinking just one sweet sugar, 12 ounces, uh, drink a day can dramatically increase your risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Again, people who drink a lot of soda probably have a constellation of unhealthy dietary habits, so the effect is multiplied. Right? So it's fine to drink soda, right? Nope. Diet soda. Diet soda, right? No, those sodas are still loaded with chemicals and artificial flavors that cause metabolic issues one of which is increased belly fat, exactly what you were trying to avoid. Number six, studies have found a correlation between drinking soda uh, may lead to mood and behavior changes, including depression, suicidal tendencies, aggression, and violent behavior. Soda has been linked to several types of cancer, including breast cancer, prostate cancer, pancreatic cancer, and endometrial cancer. While the leaps are all conclusive, they aren't conform, comfort, comforting, and is and is it really worth it to run the risk of something that's provided no nutritional value? There's still more at Rodale News, so you, I guess you can read more if right. you go to that. The underlying issue is how much soda drinking has increased with some people drinking can after can all day long, with young adults the heaviest consumers of soda. It can set them up on a lifetime of unhealthy habits. Call it soda, call it pop, call it soft drinks. You're better off drinking something else. Drink juice. Yeah, now they're, now they're all into those uh, Red Bulls and, uh, you know, uh, energy drinks. Oh. Which are ten times more sweet. And uh, here's one more. Um if Actually, here's, here's one uh, I'll read quickly. Really interesting. Uh, Who are America's real parasites? Now, that's, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's his face? Uh, Romney uh-huh. asked this. But it says uh, 78,000 tax filers with incomes between 
$211,533,000 paid zero income tax. 24,000 households with incomes of 533000 and $2.2 paid zero income tax. 3,000 tax filers with incomes above $2.2 million paid zero income tax. Now, who are the parasites in this country, huh? Yeah. Unbelievable. Really unbelievable. Anyway, let's go on to bigger and better things somewhere here in the world. Did I read this? I was going to read this. You said yeah, there was a... Yeah, I did read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's all from... from from that news, now let's go on to immunity news, and we're going to read something from, where, you got something there? Well, I, ha- I had that um, Ebola-like cases being covered up and patients being disappeared. That's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of a long, though, audio piece. It's from... Um, Infowars? Yeah, it's yeah. from Infowars. So... Um, it's probably 10 minutes or 15 minutes long. Well, it's worth reading if it says it's real. I have family in Dallas. It's my hometown. And in the last, really, two weeks, we talked to Dr. Edward Group, who was at a medical conference in Vegas. We talked to senior members of the Border Patrol and ICE who were there trying to find alternative treatments and ways to bolster the Border Patrol and ICE's immune system and for their families. And they brought up former deputy head of the Border Patrol and now the head of the retirees union, Zach Taylor. And they said that his intel was that indeed they had CDC vehicles on the border and were picking up people they believed had Ebola and were whisking them away to unknown facilities. Then I was contacted by a medical doctor who manages a very large hospital that it has other hospitals outside of it. I'll leave it at that. Who lived in Austin previously, lives in another major Texas city. I'll just say this, it has a pro football team. In fact, I'm already saying too much. The point is, he said exactly what the gentleman is about to say right now, and I was sitting on this for a week trying to talk to other medical doctors I know in major cities. And they wouldn't talk to me. They just said, what you're hearing is what we're hearing, and we've got what looks like confirmation of it, but don't you say you talk to me. I don't want to lose my license or worse. They are disappearing people. Now, that's exactly what senior members of the current Border Patrol told us. And we have those whistleblowers. We were directed by some of these sources, as you know, three months ago. The New York Times letter picked it up and admitted it was true. 
to McAllen, Texas. Then we're going to our guest. Where the Border Patrol was loading the illegals and their kids up on buses with vouchers into the rest of the country. So our sources are good. Now, we're joined by James Lorenzi, and he works, Dr. Lorenzi works at the Cass Regional Medical Center in Garden City, Missouri, and he holds a D.O. and bachelor's degree in chemistry from Drury University and received his medical degree from Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences. He completed his internship and residency in family medicine at Truman Lakewood Medical Center and is affiliated with the Harrisonville Family Medicine, Inc., in addition to his practices in Archie Medical uh, Clinic and Garden City Medical Clinic. Dr. Lorenzi uh, serves as the collaborating physician for nurses, practitioners, and it goes through all of that. He joins us. He's a doctor of osteopathic medicine another branch of the MDs, and he's saying exactly what a major medical doctor that I know personally told me, shaking with fear a week ago. And this is why I have trouble even doing the broadcast, why I've been very upset around the office is because we're trying to document all this, and as we document it, it's horrifying. Now, he's got to leave. He's got patients in 10 minutes, so we're going to go to him. He'll be back on in the next few days for a full hour. We want to encourage other medical doctors or medical workers to call in. We can vet who you are, either protect your identity, or if you want to go public, that's fine. There's strength and safety in numbers. James, uh, doctor, you have amazing courage. Thank you for doing this. We said you didn't have to use your name. You proved who you were. Uh, You still have given us that intel. Thank you. Um, Tell us exactly what you know and what you're being told. Um, Well, about four weeks ago, when, when this Ebola thing really started taking off here in, in the United States, and, and uh, all of a sudden you started hearing about patients possibly having Ebola, the hospitals were beginning to test for it. Uh, well, a friend of mine that's a resident at uh, Truman Medical Center, which is where I did my residency at, called me and said, hey, you know, we've, got a, we've got a possible Ebola patient here, and uh, he's bleeding out of all of it. I'm not going to use this language to use, but he's bleeding out of all of his orifices, he's a septic shock, hypotensive, high fever, he was visiting Africa, or he was from Africa, uh, I believe, and had recently been uh, here in the Kansas City area. And, uh, excuse me, they took care of him in the ICU, of course it was not a rapid test, so they, they weren't sure, but they, they, I think they ordered the test and they sent it off, and they moved him to the ICU and they uh, put him in isolation, from what my friend uh, had told me. The following day, he called me back, and as I told him, let me know. I, uh, I, was, I wanted to call your show. I wanted to let people know, though, hey, we've got a case here in Kansas City. Well, he called me back the next day and said they disappeared the patient. I said, what do you mean they disappeared him? So the patient's gone. Um, they were told uh, that he left AMA, which means against medical advice, but the guy was, wasn't, he couldn't even, he wouldn't have been able to leave. I mean, he was in that bad of a shape. I said, well, look for uh, John Doe, which is the name that they use in hospitals in case, you know, the, the, somebody's admitted that they don't know who you are. And there were no John Doe's in the hospital, so the, the, the patient disappeared. Well, the following day, they had a meeting uh, with anybody that had contact with that patient and said that uh, he did not have Ebola, he had malaria. Well, 
all of a sudden, I, I, that's when we heard that all these other cases in these other cities, they were coming back and saying, no, they didn't have Ebola, they had malaria. That seemed to like, that was the, the, that's what they were told to tell everybody. Um, well, then we had a second patient at Research Medical Center that uh, was rumored to have, because I have my friends there too, they called me so we have a possible Ebola patient. That patient disappeared. Um, there, there's a patient more recently at KU Medical Center, which is just you know, down just across on the Kansas side, about 20 minutes from here. And uh, that patient, I don't know what the status of that patient is, but they came out and said that he didn't have people that they had, he had typhoid. Um, so there, something is very, very strange is going on. And it, it, I wouldn't have thought much about it, but this is happening in other areas uh, of the country, not only in this, not only in Kansas City. These patients are disappearing. They're doing something on the patients, and God knows where they're going. Well, we have flights into Houston, flights into New York from Nigeria. That's the country the Ebola people are getting into to fly out. That's the major airline hub. They, they come from other African nations uh, in most cases. They die vomiting on airplanes, or they're found dead in pools of blood and vomit and feces, not to get too detailed here, uh, in Houston. And they're just told instantly Ebola ruled out before they even get the dead body off the plane in the case of JFK, but the telltale sign is the medical people don't want to be around it. The folks cleaning up the airplanes are on strike. They're scared, saying there's vomit all over the place. Uh, it looks like there is a flood of refugees, medical refugees, out of uh, West Africa here because other African countries won't let them in. Uh, I mean, undoubtedly, if two nurses got Ebola from patient zero, and then now they say it's all stopped, when this guy was running around for a week and a half vomiting everywhere, doctor, does that make any sense to you? I mean, what you're saying and what others are telling us is, is this is happening in Dallas, you name it, the same thing. They come in, they disappear them. We have it from the Border Patrol that the same thing's going on. Um, do you think they're trying to cover this up so there won't be a panic? If they were doing that, why would they then uh, not stop the flights? I mean, it'd be one thing if they were disappearing people to... Army bases, which they were supposed to to begin with, is just publicly take them there. But with their level four, that's the default. But then why would they still let them come in and then let people that have it spread it? And why would the CDC tell a nurse that treated an Ebola patient, hey, I have a fever, is it okay if I fly to visit family? And they tell her yes. What does this sound like to you? Well, there's, there's several different scenarios. I mean, either they're, they're deliberately trying to cause this to Number one, number two, they don't want to cause a panic, and there's over there's hundreds or thousands of people that already have it, and it's just a matter of time before that the people are, become aware of this. And they're trying to delay it as, as, as much as possible so they can get ready to try to deal with the panic. Or um, I, I, it makes no, it absolutely makes no sense. And we're we're told that our hospital that if we have a suspected Ebola patient, do not use the word Ebola. Not to talk, not to you know to say they have some type of viral illness, put them in isolation, but not to use that terminology with with their threatening people that you'll be fired, you'll be let go. You can use the word Ebola. Um, and another interesting thing I wanted to bring up, Doctor Lorenzi, stay there. That is bombshell. That just clicked. They've been ordered in major cities two weeks ago on the police uh, networks in New York. The firefighters and others have been told do not use the word Ebola. Use code words. And there's the Daily Mail headline for TV viewers. 
So clearly we know there's a cover-up going on. That's key proof right there. That is amazing. So you specifically, and others have been told, do not let people know there's an Ebola case? Correct. Or a possible Ebola case. Absolutely. Okay, please go Uh, to your next point. Excuse me. Well, another interesting thing that I found out from uh, several nurses and from drug reps that come to our hospital, uh, to my office, uh, they have contact with various people uh, around the city. And HCA, which is one of the big hospital uh, the companies that own well, yes. a lot of hospitals in the country, they own several in Kansas City, they went two days ago, three days ago now, they went and they took all of the, uh, the gear, the uh, protective equipment, away from all the different departments without replacing it with anything. They took the N95 mask, they took their whatever crappy equipment they had, it was better than nothing, but they took it all. They have not replaced it with anything. And they were told that and this is so they could have continuity of care for the possible Ebola patients. They just, they just went through all the hospitals and they've taken it. I don't know if they've done it. HCA-owned hospitals all around the country, so I don't know if it's going on in other cities or not. It'd be interesting to find you out. You are just dropping bombshell after bombshell. So, so it's fair... We'll just basically have no protection or just wear a mask. That is amazing. And I think they're doing it because they don't want to cause a panic. They know something that, that we don't know yet, and it's a matter of time before. So they don't want people in spacesuits at hospitals, even though it'll protect them, because that would cause a panic. It's all about the the image. It's all about the optics. Right. And, we're, and we were told, like, I, I run two rural clinics out, outside of the hospital in our chain garden city, like you mentioned. We, they, the infectious disease nurse sent out this stupid little packet that contained an N95 mask, booties, gloves, and a, a gown, and told us that if we have a suspected Ebola case, put this on. Um, and they told them, the office staff to ask, this is the screening process now that we're told to do, ask them if they've traveled anywhere. And they said, okay, well, if they have, if they've traveled to, if they came back from Africa, then what? Uh, well, we don't know. Just ask them. And, and, and that's the screening process that they're supposed to do at this, at this point in time. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. It's a joke. Yeah, that's like uh, telling somebody they can jump out of an airplane at 10,000 feet with an umbrella as a parachute. Uh, well, I mean, the reason I'm coming on here is I'm hoping to, to find out from other physicians around the country or, or medical personnel, is this going on is this here? Is it just our hospital? Is it Kansas City? Or is this going on everywhere? I, I, I think I already know the answer to this, but... Um, it's time to not be afraid. I mean, it's just a, it's a piece of paper. It's a medical license. I mean, if they pull my license for, for this, so be it. I mean, it's, you need to get this information out. This is, this is serious. Well, that's right. Uh, I, I mean, they used to tell radio stations, don't criticize the president or the FCC might take your license. What is this, Soviet Russia? What happened to the First exactly. Amendment? And you shouldn't have to be part of a criminal conspiracy to cover up Ebola and lie to people. That, you should get an award for doing the right thing, not be penalized. But uh, the right thing to do is the right thing to do, and there's strength in numbers. We need more people, as you said, to call in here. In fact, we have a guest coming up, and he's a very important guest on the economy front, Harry Dent. Uh, I am tempted to try to move him to 1230 um, or move him to another day just because I need to open the phones up. Uh, specifically, this is such huge news. It's even bigger than the economy because this will tank the economy if we don't get the word out on it. But uh, Dr. James Lorenzi, thank you for for your courage. Uh, Specifically, why do you think the other medical doctors we're talking to are scared to give their names and are saying 
they think they'll get their medical license pulled. Uh, I mean, what's a medical license worth if there's a pandemic and people lose their family to this? I mean, this attitude of doing whatever the feds say is going to kill this country. This is insanity. But that doesn't make any sense. I'm not afraid of, of, of doing the right thing. I think it's a cop out. Either they're afraid of maybe their employers, maybe losing their job, causing up a stir. Uh, to me, it makes no sense. It's, 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 there's no other option that's been doing something like this to let wake people up. It's the right thing to do. That's why we went into medicine to help people. Um, it's, it just becomes so bureaucratic. I think you get the picture on this, folks. Yeah, because they're, 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 they're not showing the reality of what's going on here. Now, here's something from uh, naturalnews.com. It says, New York abandons Ebola quarantine after pressure from Obama. Politics now driving all medical decisions. The first sensible idea we've seen, yet on halting the spread of Ebola in America, has been to shut has been shut down for political reasons. The state of New York has now reversed its mandatory Ebola quarantine rule under pressure from the CDC and the White House, which both seem fervently determined to see Ebola spread across the United States. After, after relentless opposition from the medical community and the Obama administration, New York is loosening its quarantine rules, reported Boston.com at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time today. The New York Times report Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, will, or said, any, said anyone quarantined who does not show symptoms of the disease would be allowed to stay at home. They would also be paid for lost wages. Opposition to the quarantine was staged by the CDC. This took less than 48 hours after the CDC connected operative with the dual background of nurse and public relations specialist was planted in a New Jersey quarantine facility so that she could take to the air in a widely publicized complaint claiming the 21-day quarantine was violating her civil rights. Natural News has now confirmed the mainstream media largely failed to mention the nurses' ties to the CDC, and additional efforts were made over the weekend to scrub the nurses' Lindakin.com LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> page, which previously disclosed those ties. The truth is now being uh, memory hold. Using tactics like the nurse quarantine theatrics, the CDC, NIH, and the White House have waged a relentless public relations production in an attempt to absurdly claim that quarantines, flight restrictions, and border security are useless tools in the fight against Ebola. The level of deception and the balls-to-the-wall lie making has reached an astonishing new low in all of this. As anyone with the education in virology and a PD in epidemiology knows that quarantines, isolation, and border security are in fact the only things that really work to halt exploding pandemics from invading new areas. The thing about the nurse that I was appalled at is that she was stuck, stuck in a tent in a parking lot. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't that, think that I was think right. That, I, you know, for some reason, I mean, she, you know, they, they can put her in a hospital or they can give her a room somewhere or she, they can... Or put her in a hospital that can treat patients. That's like right. That. They, didn't, they they weren't treated. So it's like, what what the hell is going on? I, I think she had every right to complain. 
right? But the fact that she was related to a CDC doctor, anybody who's been over there is a CDC doctor, okay? That's why she was there. It's not a, nur- a, a nurse, okay? They were sent there by the CDC. Yeah, so she would have ties. She would have ties. It's stupid not to think that she wouldn't. What she's saying is that they treated her like a fucking animal, okay? And she didn't like that. She didn't like that, which I don't blame her. Well, she was going home to be quarantined. She was self-quarantining, and, and, you know, up in Fort Kent, Maine, which is like there's not that many people there, and uh, and she lived 500 500 yards or something from the nearest uh, House? house. Well, we have people well, quarantined here in Connecticut who live in apartments. In apartments, you know, in New York the same way, in Dallas. What we are missing, what we are witnessing unfold here is a theater of the absurd. Just because a lie is, says the effort to spread Ebola in America is clearly deliberate. What we are witnessing unfold here is a theater of the absurd. Just because a lie is repeated over and over again by politically motivated organizations doesn't make it the truth. The real medical truth in this matter is that the very best strategies for protecting America from Ebola must be founded in the principle of isolating infected Ebola carriers from the population at large. That makes sense to me. Yeah. That principle can only be achieved through a combination of border security, travel restriction, and mandatory quarantine from high-risk potential Ebola carriers. It's truly amazing just how quickly the CDC, NIH, and mainstream media will abandon all principles of scientific integrity when there's a political agenda to protect. Before this Ebola pandemic emerged, if I had stated as the editor of Natural News that quarantines don't work to halt the spread of viral pandemic, media outlets would have loudly condemned me as a quack. But when those very same media outlets utter the sheer nonsense and bag it with highly standardized, homogenized, partially hydrogenated political speech of Fryden and Fauci. Biden is from the CDC and Fauci is from the NIH. Nobody questions it except a few courageous independent voices like Michael Savage. Remember, these are all the same institutions that insisted unvaccinated children should be sent home from public school so they are isolated, quarantined away from other children. How is it that the principle of medical isolation is routinely invoked to promote vaccination policies for school children, but when it comes to an extremely fatal, can you move that? Infection like Ebola, suddenly the concept of isolation is completely dismissed as useless. If children who carry the measles are a risk to other school children, they are clear, then clearly adults who carry Ebola are risk to the public at large. You can't legitimately argue that isolation works for measles and mumps, but not for Ebola. What does all this mean for you and I? The bottom line that you seriously need to take away from all of this is that crucial medical decisions in this outbreak are now being dictated entirely by politics. Mm. Dismantling a state-run medical quarantine has now uh, substantially increased the risk of Ebola spreading uncontrolled across large U.S. cities like New York City. Mm-hmm. It also demands that we all to ask the obvious question. Is Obama intentionally trying to see America destroyed by a runaway viral pandemic? And what other motivation could possibly explain the recent action of the administration? The responsibility of every Ebola death that takes place in the U.S. from here forward must now lie on President Obama, the CDC, and the NIH. 
all of which have actively conspired to dismantle America's defenses against the deadly viral pandemic. This is an unprecedented betrayal of the American people and shows a deliberate, premeditated disregard for the safety and security of this nation. Get yourself prepared now to survive any pandemic because it sure as heck seems like they can't wait to see it spread in New York City. Free audio file download at thebiodefense.com may very well save your life one day. So you can check that out, biodefense.com. Go to Natural News. Go to naturalnewsright.com, which is where we got this article. Um, uh, hmm. I, think, I think it's important. CDC admits that Ebola can spread through the air up to three feet away. Yeah, if you sneeze or you cough. Yeah. Sure. Everybody thought that was true, too. When it comes to trusting the Obama administration increasing the Centers and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, no one is making it harder for Americans to do so than the White House and a bumbling gaggle of bureaucrats and political hacks and employees. For weeks now, the CDC chief, Dr. Thomas Friedan, has uh, said that Ebola cannot be spread through casual contact even as he also stated that persons suspected of being infected should avoid public transportation. (laughs) President Obama has made similar statements. Now, after a pair of northeastern state governors imposed and then rescinded 21-day quarantines for anyone uh, returning from assisting uh, infected patients in West Africa, word comes from the CDC that the virus can, in fact, be spread to others up to three feet away. In a new Ebola-related post, that appears to be splitting hairs between airborne and droplet spread, the uh, health agency claimed. Airborne spread happens when a germ floats through the air like a person talks, coughs, or sneezes. Germs may land in the eyes, mouth, or nose of another person. If a germ is airborne, direct contact with the infected person is not needed for someone else to get sick. Airborne spread diseases include chickenpox and tuberculosis. Well, at least the CDC is starting to move the narrative. Droplet spread, the agency said, happens, happens when germs traveling inside droplets that are coughed or sneezed from a sick person into the eyes, nose, or mouth of another person. Droplets travel short distances, less than three feet from one person to another. A person might also get infected by touching a surface or object that has germs on it and then touching their nose or mouth. Droplet spread diseases include the plague. Ebola. Ebola. The online flyer went on to insist, no, Ebola is not an ear, is not airborne, but it also made clear that, yes, it can certainly be spread through droplets, the manner in which people riding close to each other on, say, a New York subway or in a cab or Uber rideshare car or in a bowling alley might get exposed. Dr. Craig Spencer, the Ebola-affected physician just back from treating patients in West Africa, did all of these things. Healthcare providers caring for Ebola patients and their family and friends in close contact with Ebola patients are the highest risk of getting sick because they may come in contact with inflected blood or blood body fluids of sick patients, the online informational flyer states. Some experts are already raising eyebrows of suspicion. Well, at least the CDC is starting to move the narrative, said Merrill Mass, MD, an infectious disease physician on her blog. Maybe tomorrow will be five feet, then ten. Maybe next month they'll tell us why all victims 
possessions are being incinerated and apartments fumigated. Just remember, historically, Ebola spread first fast in healthcare facilities. Wow. Okay, spread via aerosol more likely in colder environments. Dr. Nas said earlier, uh, focused on anthrax and the dangers it poses, but also in 95, 1995, the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases reported in the International Journal of Experimental Pathology that the deadly virus actually spreads faster in colder environments uh, not the hot, steamy climate in much of Africa. Really? Yeah. We also demonstrated aerosol transmission of Ebola virus at lower temperatures and humidity than that normally present in sub-Saharan Africa. Ebola virus sensitivity to the high temperatures and humidity in the thatched mud and waffle huts shared by infected family members in southern Sudan and northern Zaire may have been a factor limiting aerosol transmission of Ebola virus in the African epidemic. Both elevated temperature and relative humidity have been uh, shown to reduce the aerosol stability of viruses. Um, our experiments were conducted at 24 degrees Celsius or 75 degrees Fahrenheit, and such as Ebola aerosol transmission is a greater threat in modern hospital laboratory settings than it is in the natural climatic regions of viruses. But remember, you can't get disease sitting next to an infected person on a bus, a subway, or in a cab. The CDC and Obama administration have said so. Yeah. So learn uh, learn all the details and more at the free online pandemic preparedness course on www.biodefense.com. I don't know how anybody could believe a word they say. I mean, I didn't believe it. Absolutely. You know? Somebody coughs on you or sneezes or blows their nose. Yeah, yeah, come on. Huh? So you're perfectly safe? Yeah, right. I mean, really? Yeah. I had some
Ebola is the closest thing to real-life zombie infection. With apologies to those victims who have suffered the horrible fate of Ebola, I'm offering a medically accurate description here as a warning to everybody else. Believe me when I say to you, do not want, you do not want to contact Ebola. Warning, graphic language below. Ebola is a gruesome uh, disease that causes cells in the body to self-destruct, resulting massive internal and external bleeding. It is... Uh, in the late stages... Ebola can cause the victim to experience convulsions, vomiting, and bleeding from the eyes and ears while convulsing, flinging blood uh, all over the room and anyone standing nearby, thereby infecting those people as well. This gruesome ending is the reason Ebola spreads so effectively. The virus weaponizes the blood and then causes the victim to fling it around on everyone else, almost like you might see depicted in some horror zombie flick. Hemorrhaging symptoms begin four to five days after the onset, which includes hemorrhagic conjunctivitis, pharyngitis, bleeding gums, oral lip ulcerations, hematomesis, melina, hematura, vaginal bleeding, all kinds of things. Oh, from every from every opening. And it says that same uh, publication also explains there are no known antiviral treatments available for human infections. Read that again. There are no known treatments for human infections. Uh, Sierra Leone top Ebola doctor tragically died yesterday from a um, Ebola infection. infection. Although well trained in infectious diseases, even he underestimated the ability of this killer to be from person to person. Around half of those infected with Ebola die, making it one of the most fatal diseases known to modern medical science. And yet medical staff around the world still aren't exercising sufficient precautions when interacting with infected patients. Monsanto and the Department of Defense fund uh, helped fund a pharma company that could earn billions from the Ebola treatment. There are some experimental drugs under development by pharma companies that show some promise, but nothing is commercialized yet. One fascinating development worth investigating further is that Turkmira Pharmaceuticals, a company working on an anti-Ebola drug, just received a $1.5 billion million cash infusion from none other than Monsanto. Clear, click here to read the press release, uh, which states Turkmira a pharmaceutical corporation is a biopharmaceutical company focused on advancing novel RNAi therapeutics and uh, providing it uh, leading lipid nonparticle particle, nanoparticle uh, delivery uh, technology to pharmaceutical partners. The money from Monsanto is reportedly related to the companies developing RNAi technology used in agriculture. The deal is valued up to $86.2 million, according to WSJ. Another press release about TechMirror reveals a $140 million contract with the U.S. military for Ebola treatment drugs. TKM Ebola, an anti-Ebola virus RNAOI therapeutic, is being developed under a $140 million contract with the U.S. Department of Defense. Um, as a joint product management office. 
Additional Kashmir partnerships are listed in the, in the webpage, but not to invoke any changes of collusion or conspiracy here. But a whole lot of people are going to have raised eyebrows over the fact that Monsanto just happened to be giving a cash infusion to a key pharma company working on an Ebola cure right in the middle of the highly publicized Ebola outbreak, which could create huge market demands for the drug. And the fact that the, US, yeah, the fact that the U.S. Department of Defense is also involved with all this is going to have alternative use websites digging hard for uh, additional leads. Mm. Sadly, the history of medicine reveals that drug companies, the CDC and the WHO, have uh, repeatedly played up the severity of disease outbreaks in order to promote sales of treatment drugs. I'm not saying this outbreak isn't very real and very alarming, of course. It is real. But we always have to be suspicious when windfall profits just happen to line up for certain corporations yeah. following global outbreaks of infectious disease. And vaccine manufacturers, remember, made millions off the false swine flu scare. The tens of millions of dollars in the stockpile of swine flu vaccines later have to be destroyed by the governments that panicked and purchased them. Has air travel doomed humanity to a pandemic outbreak? Huh. Huh. Why are we doing Air travel creates the perfect storm for Ebola to devastate humanity. It all starts with these irrefutable facts about air travel. Air passengers are confined to the same enclosed space. All passengers are breathing the same air. Ebola can become airborne via very small particles in the air, and just a single Ebola virus riding on a dust particle is sufficient to infect a human being. Following the flight, infected passengers in intermingle with thousands of others at the airport, each doing to a different unique each going to a different unique destination somewhere else across the country or around the world. The speed of air travel vastly outpaces the speeds of governments being able to deploy infectious disease prevention teams. A global pandemic wipes out from Ebola, in other words, could originate from a single person on a single international flight, and it could circle the globe in less than 48 hours. Okay. Just one organism is sufficient to infect a new host. Just how much Ebola virus does it take to infect someone? Amazing, alarmingly, as the Public Health Agency of Canada explains, one to ten aerosolized organisms are sufficient to cause infections in humans. Wow. Read that again. It takes just one aerosolized organism, microscopic virus riding on a dust particle, to cause a full-blown infection in humans. This is why one man vomiting on an international flight can infect dozens of, or hundreds of other people all at once. Some experts fear that has already happened in the Daily Mail report. Um, Nigerian health officials are in the process of trying to trace 30,000 people believed to be at risk of contact tracking the highly infectious virus following the death of Patrick Sawyer in Lagos. It comes as Nigerian actor Jim Like sparked outrage posting a picture of himself wearing an Ebola mask while sitting in a first-class airport lounge as he fled Liberia. Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show reports, a desperate search is on, the find, uh, is on to find the hundreds of passengers who flew on the same jet to Sawyer. 
a total of 59 passengers and crew are estimated to have come into contact with Sawyer and effort is being made to track each individual down. There is an inherent problem with this track down. Presumably, some of the passengers connected to other flights which known to be the case. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that 20 people, as low estimate, given the nature of the airports that Sawyer was traveling in, were connecting to other flights. The, the spread of the virus would quickly expand beyond any possibility of containment because in less than a half a day, nearly half a million people would be potentially exposed. Within a matter of a couple of hours, Sawyer-infected fellow travelers would each have made contact with 200 other passengers and crew. And hours later, these flights would land and these people would go home to their friends, families, and co-workers across several continents. Here at CBS News adds, witnesses saw Sawyer, a 40-year-old Liberian finance ministry employee, en route to a conference in Nigeria. He was vomiting and had diarrhea aboard at least one of his flights with some 50 other passengers aboard. Ebola can be contracted from traces of feces or vomit, it's said. American family members quarantined in Texas. Well, the U.S. doctor named, uh, named Dr. Kent Brantley has reportedly contacted Ebola. Brantley and, and the three, and the couple's three and five-year-old um, children left Liberia for a scheduled visit to the United States on July 20th. Days later, Brantley quarantined himself in the isolation ward of a hospital where he had been treating Ebola patients after testing positive for the disease. That same story comes, uh, the same, same story goes on to say, Amber Brantley and the children are in Abilene, Texas, under a 21-day fever watch, which is essentially a quarantine. This means the necessary quarantine of American citizens on U.S. soil has already begun. Well, nobody is yet talking about what all this might mean if a large U.S. city shows an outbreak or infection. Of infection. Will the federal government use the military to quarantine an entire city? Ultimately, it must. And make no mistake, this possibility is already written up and on the books for national emergencies. Well, I remember... One declaration of martial law is that all that's required to seal off an entire U.S. city at gunpoint. They did that in Boston. When I was a kid... You you were quarantined if you got the mumps, or yeah, you know, yeah, you, could, you, in the you had to stay in your house, and people couldn't go in your house. You would well, stay there for so had, many days. Yeah, brothers and sisters. Well, no, I remember when people were quarantined with the mumps in their house. They couldn't come outside and play. Nobody I could. Come no, I mean I had to stay in my room because uh -huh. you know, I uh, didn't want to give it to everybody else. Right. I had uh, two brothers and a sister. Okay. But it gets into a big city. That's everybody's worst nightmare, said Dr. Tim Geisler, a professor of microbiology and immunology uh, at University of Texas branch in an interview with CBS News. It gets harder to control them. How, to do, how do you quarantine a big city? The answer, by the way, is by developing and deploying American armed forces against its own citizens in a domestic oh. national emergency scenario. Everybody in the government the federal government already, already knows that. It's only the mainstream media that pretends such plans don't already exist. Do you think that could happen? <laughs> yeah. 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 Ebola detection kits, kits are deployed by all 50 U.S. Deployed to all 50. Oh, yeah. 
Although the federal government official reaction to all this is low-key, in truth, the U.S. government is rapidly preparing for the possibility of an Ebola outbreak reaching the continent of the USA. As reported above, the U.S. Department of Defense already has a $140 million contract awarded to Tecumira for its Ebola treatment. I don't know. The Department of Defense informed Congress that it has deployed biological diagnosis systems to National Guard support teams in all 50 states, according to a report published in the Armed Service Committee. Um, some 340 joint biological agent identification and diagnosis system units have thus far been given to emergency response personnel. The systems are rapid, reliable, and simultaneous with, uh, identification of specific biological agents and pathogens. And on one hand, we might all applaud the government's preparedness actions and all this. It's smart to have diagnostic systems deployed nationwide, of course. But it begs the question, when was the government planning to tell the public about this? Probably never. There's no sense in causing a panic when half the people don't survive, won't survive an outbreak anyway, they figure. But the perfect bioweapon against humanity. Oh boy, do I believe that. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway. And uh, an open border. People are concerned about that sure. as an invitation to. Well, let, let's just read this for a minute. Yeah, I also need to make you urgently aware that Ebola is a perfect bioweapon because its ability to survive storage and still function many days, weeks, or years later. It could be very easily harvested from infected victims and then preserved using nothing more than a common food dehydrator. As the Public Health Agency of Canada explains, the virus can survive in liquid or dried material for a number of days, 23. Infectivity is found to be stable at room temperature or at um, for uh, four centigrade for several days, identifiably stable at 70 degrees uh, centigrade, minus 70 degrees translate that into layman's terms, this means Ebola virus can be stored in a liquid vial and easily smuggled across international borders, dehydrated and stored in a dry state, then easily smuggled, frozen at very low temperatures where it remains viable indefinitely, and once dried, contained or frozen, Ebola pathogens can be smuggled into target countries and reduced ridiculous, with ridiculous ease. In the United States, for example, people can literally walk right through our southern open borders with zero security whatsoever. And open borders is the open invitation for bioweapons terrorism. Once inside the target country, a bioweapons terrorist could then easily infect people in um, public transit hubs such as subway stations, uh, airports, so on and so forth. Um, an outbreak of Ebola in the United States is in a major U.S. city would quite literally threaten the public health of the entire nation. That's why an open border uh, policy in the, in the middle of a global Ebola outbreak is unconscionable for, from the point of view of the public health. The CDC officials must be tearing their hair out over this issue. Think about it. America is a country where public health officials freak out and go crazy when two children acquire whooping cough in a public school <laughs> in Maryland. But when tens of thousands of people are streaming into the country, unbounded, 
with near zero medical scrutiny in the middle of an international Ebola outbreak, federal officers do almost nothing at all. If there is an Ebola outbreak in the U.S., this is the most likely how it will arise. So, please go to uh, please go to this uh, website, excellent site, uh, naturalnews.com, and you get all kinds of info there. All right. And in the meantime, I want to thank everybody who joined us. Uh, Join Lila and I tomorrow night when we go through some more news and views and union issues. And good night, folks. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, and good night, everybody.